welcome to SolkanaCast, two broads talking broadly about health, the physical, the emotional, the nitty gritty, and the fun. Real thoughts on real health. The information provided within this podcast is not designed to and does not provide medical advice, professional diagnosis, opinion, treatment, or services to you or any other individual and is intended for general information for educational purposes only. Welcome to SoconaCast. <laughs> oh man, every time before we start an episode, we do 30 seconds of silence. <laughs> Not to reflect on anything, but because we have to do room tone. And starting it off uh, feels like breaking a lot of tension. Anyway, welcome to SoconaCast, Season 2, Episode 7. Today's another wonderful interview. Yay! Awesome, make some noise. Hey, I'm here. What up? Awesome. <laughs> what up? What up? Uh, welcome to the 90s, everybody. Mm-hmm. What's that? Good time, good time. First, let's start with a, our glorious weekly check-in. Mm-hmm. Lucia, how is it going? Um, so Hannah gave me the challenge last week. It was kind of like a long-term four-week challenge where I'm looking at deloading and overloading with my deadlift. It's fine. I don't really have anything to report yet. I no, will. probably not, because this week was a week uh, a week off. Yeah, mm. so just rolling with that, and I'll have more to report in the next few weeks. How about your challenge, Hannah? Uh, I've been doing great with my slowing down of eating food. I It took me 30 minutes to eat my oatmeal this morning. That's glorious. Yeah, it's pretty good, right? Yeah, Dang. that's really good. Thank you very much. <laughs> it does mean that everything takes a lot longer, but like I've been eating lunch... Um, on the couch in the gym and trying to read a book while I'm doing it. Yeah. And trying to get through two chapters during lunch. That's great. So I'm like, the slower I eat, the more I can read. That's kind of awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And I definitely am getting full sooner. Cool. Um, Yesterday I had to eat in my car, so Mm -hmm. that sucked. Uh, That's hard. And I noticed how uncomfortable I felt later when I didn't feel full right away. It took so long for me to feel full, and so I was still hungry while I was at rehearsal. And like crabby at everybody, and then but I yeah, and then later it, it started to come into effect. So I'm like, definitely gonna keep that practice. Very cool. Isn't that interesting too? It's like you're eating the same food. It's just the way you're eating it and the environment that you're choosing to eat it. Yeah, in. we're meditative, Aww. trying to get that parasympathetic system yes, going. Exactly. I'm an expert now. <laughs> I remember when I was a kid and it would be like at Thanksgiving dinner when you realized that there was a lot of food to eat. I found out that the faster I ate, the more I could eat. So yes. it was just like, just cram it all in your mouth quickly. Well, I feel like because, so I was a vegetarian for a lot of my life. And when I was little, my parents wouldn't make like extra dishes for me. That was kind of their deal. They're like, you can be a vegetarian, but we're not going to make any additional food. And if you want to learn to make food, that's great, which I did. But sometimes we'd have like, something like Thanksgiving dinner, and there would be two vegetarian dishes on the table. Mm. So I felt like I had to very quickly get those dishes <laughs> and very quickly eat some mm-hmm. before they were gone. Mm-hmm. Or my parents used to buy, like, they would buy four frozen pizzas. They'd buy two cheese and two pepperoni. <laughs> and my brother would eat both cheese what? before he would make the pepperonis. No. I know. So you can see how this, like, speed eating thing yeah. has become part of my vocabulary. Yes, because I'm like, I must eat or I will not have access to yeah, food. Right. Yep. But I'm not a vegetarian anymore. Also, I am in control of when I eat and who gives me the food. <laughs> so now I can just like slow down yeah. just a little bit. 
Isn't it funny though how those like things like even though you're in control of it, you still have that mental response yes. of like if I don't eat right this minute, it might not be here. Right. And <laughs> I was also a teacher for three years, and then that lunch break is only twenty minutes, and sometimes you're working during Ooh. it, so you're just like, you know, shoving food down your throat. Or like cramming a granola bar in your mouth mm-hmm. between classes. Yeah, I remember that. That was the way it was in high school too. Yes. It was like quick, twenty minutes to eat, which is a terrible way to teach teenagers <laughs> how to eat. Like, yeah. Come on. Yeah. Snap, snap. Twenty full minutes. Whoa. Right. Teenagers <laughs> are like, I need to eat so much. <laughs> in my school, everyone just always got the cookie mm. for the hot lunch. Did you guys have like, oh. what, what kind of, what was your hot lunch situation? We had our choices were hot lunch or salad bar or a la carte, and the only kids that could afford a la carte were like kids yes so same. it was like the regular like slop line or salad for all the kids that were vegetarian which was just like straight up iceberg with like a little carrot yeah <laughs> so satisfying good for that brain function mm-hmm. the rest of the day yep my school was really big it was like three thousand kids so we had uh yeah you had an a la carte line that you could go buy stuff i think you could buy the hot lunch in that a la carte line mm. but mm. i brought my own meal every day because i was a vegetarian mm-hmm. mm. And also because my parents were like, hey, you're not getting any of our cash <laughs> for these things. But every, like, cool kid in my school would get the giant cookie yeah. that took up, like, the whole tray. <laughs> and it was, yes, it was like, it was like a dollar fifty for this oh cookie. Gosh. And it, I swear it took up the whole tray. You could share it with your friends. And it was so greasy because there was so much oil in it oh, no. that it would stain the tray. Wow. Yeah. Wow. I, th- I have a very distinct memory <laughs> of that. <laughs> That's pretty much all that kids ate at lunch. Mm. They would be like, just go up and order a cookie, and that's it. We should have an episode where we talk about school lunch. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we should find somebody who knows awesome. about that. Yeah. Okay, everybody. <laughs> if, you're, if you're listening to this and you know somebody who either works at a school in the food area, is an administrator, or, I don't know, some other food school lunch expert, yep. tweet us at Silkana Podcast. Please. Please. <laughs> we need someone to tweet us. Even if you're just listening right now and you're like, okay, I'll tweet like a, a, just an emoji. Yeah. It would make us feel so good. Yeah. Uh, you could do test one, two, three. Tweet. That would be great. That would be great. <laughs> Anything. Uh, okay. Let's move on. Oh, uh, welcome to the show, Austin. Yay, thanks. Uh, everybody, this is Austin Harkey. He's the bomb. What up? <laughs> what up? What up? Uh, it's day two of the week, so today you're 18 years old. Basically, not yeah, actually. My, no. Uh, no, my voice is just gonna be like. <laughs> um, Austin has a lot of cred under his name. So many things that I like. Number one, good friend, all oh, around yeah. great guy. Oh, that's the best. That's like the only one that matters. Yeah, <laughs> Baker. So this well, is a I new mean, new yeah. Baker. Um, also, uh, what's your actual like? What's your actual degree? Okay, so my degree is in. Uh, biblical studies focusing in the Hebrew scriptures. Oh, okay. I don't know when you when you leave seminary school. It's like I don't know. Are you? Do you have a degree in God now? Yeah, maybe. Right. Well, that's the fun part is you can say I have a master's in divinity. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> MID. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, that's very interesting. Mm-hmm. And um, and then you also are now a, a public speaker. Yep. Yeah, I do advocacy work for LGBTQ folks in religious communities. So I go and I talk to people in churches, like during the little, like if you're familiar with like how a lot of mainline churches work in the Twin Cities, there's usually like this coffee hour where all the old people sit around in between mm. like the first service and the second service. Oh. And so when I go and I talk to all the older folks and, and not so old folks sometimes uh, <laughs> about like LGBTQ folks and they're always like, 
why is this important? And I'm like, because there are probably a bunch of people in your church that haven't come out yet. Yeah, and also yeah. maybe maybe one of the older people that you're sitting with exactly. right now yeah. never had the opportunity to come no. out. Yeah. yeah, so it's really fun. Uh, that seems like very hard work mm, yeah. because it does, it seems like you're swimming upstream in a lot of ways, uh-huh. like mm-hmm. especially if you're working with older people yeah. who are resistant yep. to sometimes new ideas. Cool. Yeah, and sometimes <laughs> you meet like the sweetest old grandmas who are like, oh yeah, my grandson is gay or whatever. And like, I totally have this down because I'm just intent on being really there for him. And mm. then they are like the best advocates within the church. Yes, because they have their friends and exactly. they can be like, Rosie, he's yeah. just gay, it's fine. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The, he's still your grandson. Yep. <laughs> That's how all old people talk. Yep. Yep. Yeah, not just like your Jewish grandma in New York. That's no. everybody. <laughs> every every old lady and every old man. It's yeah. just a little bit different, yep. but yeah. same yep. same tenor. Yep. <laughs> Awesome. Um, how did you like start becoming an advocate? Besides, obviously, wanting to advocate for yourself, mm-hmm. what else like got you elevated to this platform where now you're actually speaking on behalf of a lot of other people? Yeah, I guess the basically what happened is when I was coming out. So I came out as bisexual when I was in high school, and so that was a period when, at the same time. Uh, I was coming out at like 16. I was also going through confirmation classes because I was going to a Lutheran church at the time. And so there was this really weird sense um, because nobody ever talked about gender issues or sexuality issues. There was this weird sense of like, um, basically if you never talk about something, you just assume it's taboo, Mm -hmm. right? You assume it's a bad thing. Um, And so there were a lot of other kids in my youth group at the time too who were kind of like, I don't know if we can talk about this or if I am okay to be here. Um, and so that was kind of my first experience of like, hey, maybe if we talked about this and like people took a stand, like even if you have churches that are like, no, we don't, we're not cool with this, we're not down with it, at least then you know where you stand, right. you know? And the kids can be like, okay, cool, I need to find support elsewhere. Yeah. Um, but when nobody knows where anybody stands, that's like a really, it feels like a dangerous place to be, um, especially for youth. So um, that was kind of my first experience. Then my second experience coming out as transgender when I was in seminary, Um, was realizing that there just weren't resources out there specifically for um, trans folks who are coming out in churches um, and in faith communities. And so that was my first big thing was like, there aren't any resources. There should be resources. I guess I'm in seminary. I could create some resources. (laughs) Maybe this could be me. Yeah. So basically it was just like out of the necessity of not having anything out there. So trying to create It seems to me too like uh, bisexuality and, you know, trans folks like those two things specifically get more friction even in the gay and lesbian community yeah mm-hmm. and then especially i feel like people have a hard time wrapping their minds around bisexuality mm-hmm. and like for a long time people are like it is not real yeah. you're just like on your way one way or the other <laughs> right. and also same with you know uh being transgender it's mm-hmm. like people don't necessarily think it's like they under they don't understand it even in the lgb community like people don't necessarily understand what's going on yeah it's true and they're like both um because partially because um bi folks and trans folks are smaller parts of the population as a whole they kind of just get erased and stepped on and nobody Mm. pays attention to them because they're smaller um but i think there's been this huge movement recently of like hey we may be small but we're still important (laughs) like we're still people um and so there's been a, a huge movement recently in LGBT communities to be like, hey, if we're going to call ourselves LGBT communities, if we're going to advocate um, and use any sort of label that includes all these different people, then we can't just pretend that we don't know what these other people yeah. are right. about, you know? Right. Um, 
So yeah, I think that's. I think yeah, it seems that. like that's a, you know you're hearing more about people being like, what is pansexuality mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Uh, what does it mean to be asexual right. and uh, all sorts of different terms that mm-hmm. I feel like cool teenagers know about. And yeah. then, like they're <laughs> informing, they're informing the adults mm-hmm. of like, hey, this is how we communicate now. Right. And adults are having to be like, oh, okay, yes. Yeah. <laughs> well, we accept We're it there. all. You know, we could be fine. We'll find, we'll yeah. fine with that. Yeah, and I think the thing is that people immediately feel um, pressure to be like, cool, that's fine, whatever. And um, it's like that's a great response, much better response than no, I'm not cool with it. But I think it then sometimes people don't educate themselves about mm-hmm, it afterwards. Sure, sure. They're like, oh yeah, I'm cool with all of that, but they don't. But like, what is it? Yeah, right? How is can it you support cool somebody who's it? that way? Yeah, exactly. That's very interesting. Mm-hmm. So what kind of things have you come up against that have been, like, has anyone stood in your way? Or what kind of obstacles have you come up against in this area? It seems like there would be a lot, but you're so positive. <laughs> like, when I you watch. You never know. Yeah, yeah, like, on your YouTube channel, mm-hmm. like, it just seems like nothing is going wrong. Even though you're <laughs> honest and, like, you're you're honest about how your transition mm-hmm. it has gone and is going, mm-hmm. it, it seems like you're just so overwhelmingly positive about feedback you're getting and mm-hmm. about people supporting you in, mm-hmm. in all sorts of communities that yeah. is there anything that's gotten in your way oh yeah <laughs> it's just like there are times where I feel like it's important to um, to bring up those obstacles especially to um, like okay for instance there have been um, just recently like 2016 is on track to be the most deadly year for trans folks in the United States we've already got 17 trans murders here mm-hmm. in the US and so there I felt a lot of pressure to talk more about these issues, um, especially in like the videos that I make, because they're important. Um, but at the same time, I realize that most of the people that are watching the videos that I make are younger folks, mm-hmm. and so it's there's this delicate balance between like, here's what's going on, here are the problems, and there is hope, and like, don't give up. That know? idea right? of so it gets better, exactly. like don't don't yeah. back away from this now. Right. So there's this balance and so I try to kind of stay on the positive part of it not not um, saying that the negative parts don't exist Mm -hmm. because like you can't fix something if you don't know if it's a problem Um, but I think I try to stay positive because I know that a lot of the people that are watching or listening to what I'm talking about are younger and I don't want to just like throw all the problems of the world at them and be like here fix this (laughs) but um, but yeah there have definitely been people that have been like whoa you're not like this is not okay Um, and mostly I find that you know don't read the comments section, you know? Yeah, like, online yeah. harassment mostly. Yeah, exactly. And so, like, that's where and, – and some of that is – now rolls off my back. Like, at the beginning, it was like, oh, no, people don't like this. That's uh, – I have a lot of feelings. Um, but now it's, like, the comments that are just, like, you're dumb or whatever. <laughs> you're just dumb. Like <laughs> it's like some wow. 11-year-old yeah. on their computer <laughs> finding are. what it feels like to have power. Yeah, exactly. And so that – it's just, like, that rolls off my back. It's no big deal. The things that I try to pay attention to when it comes to comments from folks, either online or just in general, is if it's, like, negative language that other people are going to see. Like, I go through my comment section and I delete anything that's all, like, you're an abomination, all that kind of stuff, because I don't want the kids that are watching the videos to then come and read that and, like, have that and be like, oh, God. Um, So that's something that I watch out for is hate-related language that has to do with just being, like, you as a person are messed up and wrong. Um, the other thing that I watch out for is people that actually have constructive criticism. And sometimes, occasionally, not very often on the internet, you have somebody who has a legitimate thing that they need to figure out or say, where they're like, 
look, I get where you're coming from, but I disagree with you on this. Can you please explain it? And that's where you get actually like decent conversation. Sure, because right, people right. do want right. Like they might be isolated in their community. Mm-hmm. Maybe they're in a youth group and they're like, hey, this is what I've been told. Yeah. And I'm like lost. Yeah. Can you help me? Right. And sometimes that comes out in more negative ways sure. where you immediately are like, oh, this person is just like angry, but really they have a question. Right. So yeah, you have to kind of suss that out, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, in terms of like people just standing up and being like, whoa, no way. Um, there have been times where mostly it's people that feel like um, by my standing up and talking about this and encouraging other folks, I'm encouraging you know something terrible. Um, and so they are very much against uh, the kind of advocacy that I and many other people do because they think it's encouraging some kind of sin, right? Like like you're going to turn someone exactly. transgender right, exactly. by suggesting that that's a thing? Yeah, exactly. And so that's where you have to do a lot of education work, if possible, about like what does it actually mean to be trans? And that, I mean, it's something that I think the sort of LG community, <laughs> lesbian and gay community, has been doing for ages about like you can't mm. catch it. <laughs> like you can't like right. touch somebody and be like, surprise, you're gay now. <laughs> um, and I think that's something that has to be done now with the trans community because a lot of people are like, oh, if if my kid even hears that there are things, like if my kid hears that there are different ways of expressing your gender, then they're gonna wanna be trans or whatever. Um, and that's not how it works. No, no, uh, no. I think you just, yeah, no. I mean, we can so much. do that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we're not gonna feed the haters yeah, out don't there. Don't do it, don't do it. Can I just ask like, how do you think your personal faith has changed after becoming an advocate and or after even coming out as transgender like uh-huh. how has your connection to your faith changed yeah I think it's um, it changed well it's hard to um, sort of untangle a little bit because it was all changing at the same time I was in seminary and the thing about seminary is that um, spoiler alert you don't go to seminary to find answers about things <laughs> you just ask more questions yeah, right? exactly. man. you go into seminary and the first year they just like break you down they're just like all those preconceived ideas you had and all of that like cultural wisdom about like everything happens for a reason and like all that stuff they bust that down and Hmm. they're like here's why these things don't make sense theologically and then they like rebuild you in like the previous or you know sequential years um and so since that was happening at the same time as i was coming out and coming to understand my gender identity that was all kind of wrapped up and so it's hard to say like what changed because it was all happening at once um but i think the thing that i realized as um, like toward the end of my seminary career where things were starting to crystallize a little bit more and I was starting to get a better understanding of of myself and and faith in general was realizing that my faith was what was propelling my advocacy like that's the reason that I'm doing it is because there are so many places um, in the scripture where it says that like these are the people that you help (laughs) like yeah the the people that are hurting exactly like this is what we do and the like the whole theology of Christianity that is surrounded um, around like the identity of Jesus as a person that was um, that experienced what it was like to be human is something that propels me in thinking like well then God knows what it like what it's like to be human God knows what it's like to be you know put aside or to be ignored or to suffer or whatever um, and so we're not alone when we suffer so that was like a huge part of it is like trying to explain that um, to other people is like my faith isn't the thing that's in the way of me being trans it's the thing that's propelling my advocacy for other people mm. who are in these difficult situations. Mm. That's a really beautiful statement. It is. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> doing it. Very powerful too. Yeah. yeah. Um, 
let's switch gears a little bit and talk about your fitness. Yeah, fitness. <laughs> because I've known you for like at this point four years yeah. maybe yeah because i started going to the other gym that you worked at for a while yeah and you were the person that did like my intro like, i was pretty much your coach all the time because yeah. i worked at that in that location yeah like more than any other coach yeah. too yep and specifically at the midday class yep and which was where i was yeah at that point i was in seminary and it was like cool i have classes in the morning and i have classes in the evening but nothing at like lunchtime i know and sometimes <laughs> it was just like you and mm -hmm. maybe maybe one other person yeah <laughs> Which makes it harder because then the coach is staring at yeah. you. Oh, yeah. Don't look at me. Really <laughs> watching, <laughs> being like, make sure you do this yep. this way. Uh, so how has your experience, like your fitness experience changed from four years ago mm -hmm. when at that time you had not started taking any nope. hormones? Had you? I hadn't even come out of that. No, you hadn't so, come out of yeah. that. I mean, uh, how has your fitness experience changed? Like how has your body so reactions changed so in the last four years yeah i think like um i guess first mentally there was this huge change because like when i first started going to the gym and when i first met you and started doing stuff it was this constant first of all feeling of like i don't want to pay attention to my body yeah like, mm -hmm. <laughs> it's really hard to work out and do things when you're like i just don't want to think about my body at all um, and so like fighting that constantly is like you're trying to do two things at once you're trying to complete the wad and also not pay attention to how you're doing it which is like that doesn't work <laughs> right right or like don't look at me type yeah, of feeling exactly. yeah so I meanwhile I'm just like staring <laughs> yeah, at you because exactly. you're the only person there <laughs> <laughs> yeah don't watch so there was that going on so like there was this whole mental aspect of it um, that got so much better after I started transitioning because then it was like cool I don't mind thinking about my body because I'm thinking about the ways that things have changed and mm. things have progressed and I don't mind people looking at me as much because I feel more like myself and yeah. less like I'm trying to hide things um, so like there was that whole mental aspect and then the physical aspects of it were just huge like when I started um, taking hormones so I started taking hormones and then came back to the gym not that long afterwards um, because I had taken this uh, time off from CrossFit for about a year while I was doing my it was like my second year of study, basically. Um, and so I came back to the gym, and I was like, hey, I'm studying hormones. And the first thing you said was like, don't work too hard. Yeah, like you know, here's like, a bunch <laughs> of things that could happen. Yeah. <laughs> you were basically just like, you're going to feel super strong. Don't overdo it because you can injure yourself. Mm -hmm. And that was really good advice, I think, because that was what was happening is I was starting hormones. And um, with testosterone, you start building muscle mass really fast. And um, you, recover you recover so, so quickly. Fast. Yeah. So because basically it's like you're, I mean, <laughs> this is the whole problem with like Olympic stuff is that like androgens and testosterone, things like that are things that we consider like steroids. Right, right, right. right. Yeah. Or, and yeah. a, lot of, a lot of athletes genuinely use like mm -hmm. th for their doping stuff, mm -hmm. they are using it for speedier recovery so yes. they can work out quicker. And Yep. Yeah. So there's this whole experience of like, how do you start working out on hormones and not injure yourself? And also, um, how does it feel to, yeah, the like. The change in musculature was huge in terms of like um, just being able to like see and feel muscles that I had never like muscle groups mm, right. that I didn't know I had, yeah, uh, which was really cool. Um, the change in fat distribution was another huge thing because all of your fat redistributes. So everything oh, I bet. Yeah. was on like your thighs and like I'm trying to think like your thighs and your what else moved? <laughs> everything, everything moved. Like, the, and like low back? Your, yeah, like low a back. butt oh my area? Gosh, my butt is so flat now. <laughs> <laughs> like I just don't have a butt anymore. Um, 
Um, but yeah, so all the fat that was in um, places that we consider like more feminine places mm -hmm. just moved. So now it's all like in my face and on my stomach. Right, <laughs> right, right. Um, and so instead of like surrounding your like uterus, your basically, yes, exactly. <laughs> and, like yeah. protecting all your internal organs. Right. Um, yeah. So that was a big change because it changes, like especially with Olympic weightlifting, when you're trying to like pull the bar up really fast on a snatch, you're suddenly like, oh, I'm hitting my stomach, and like that wasn't there before. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So, yeah, so the fat redistribution was huge. Um, and then when I got top surgery, um, which is like our reconfirmation of your chest, basically, um, that was huge because it changes your entire balance. Mm, like, yeah, because I bet. You, instead of, like, your balance is just all off for sure. a while when you come back. And, like, you don't really know where your body ends. Like, it's kind of like this whole weird, like, where is my body in oh, space? Oh, I, I like, can yeah. imagine, yeah. Yeah, and so... Um, again, like with Olympic weightlifting, it was suddenly like, oh, cool, I can now bring the bar much closer to my body and like not like smack myself in the chest. Mm. Um, and so how do you do that? How do you keep the bar close to you? Which I still, it's like, I still have this huge problem where I swing the bar out way further than I need to when I'm getting the bar above my head because I feel like I'm going to hit myself. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, there's just all these changes that happen with um, with surgery and with hormones. And, of course, not all trans people take hormones, not all trans people get right. surgery. And so, you know, it's different for everybody. Um, but, yeah, that was my experience. Yeah, and I'm, I'm sure that experience is just going to continue. Mm -hmm. And, you know, being very enlightening to you, how much longer are you going to be taking? Well, I guess, like, does, does your doses change or is there like a time that you stop taking testosterone? You take or? hormones for the rest of your life. Mm -hmm. Right, because you don't produce testosterone. Right, exactly. Yeah. Okay. So that's one of the things like when you when you go to the doctor, like you have to go through this huge thing to get on hormones, first of all, which is a major. It's like a six that. month process, it's, right? Oh, it's, or it longer. Can be longer. Mm -hmm. um, it depends on the state. In Minnesota, I had to go see um, a therapist for like six to 12 months. I was going kind of slow track, so I wasn't like in a rush, but I had to go see a therapist for six to 12 months. They have to write a letter to your doctor saying, yes, this person is actually trans. Um, then your doctor can look at that, and your doctor could be like, eh, I don't really believe it, and I don't want to do it. That's, like, totally Yeah, and then you're like, wow. get a new doctor. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Done with so, you. So, luckily, I found a great doctor. Um, and so, once she got the letter, she could then prescribe me hormones. But they go make you sit down and go through this whole thing about, like, this is what the hormones are going to do to your body. Do you realize you're going to be on them for the rest of your life? Uh, all this kind of stuff. Um, so, in terms of hormone dosage, I have to go get my blood levels tested every six months, and they make sure that my hormone levels um, are within sort of the normal range for um, cisgender men. So it's that's one of the another funny thing about like um, having to do testing for like Olympic weightlifting meets that are like nationally sanctioned is people sometimes think that like since you're on testosterone you're like way stronger than other guys mm -hmm. uh, or cisgender guys. Um, but in reality, like you're probably your testosterone levels are probably pretty low compared to them. Yeah. Because what yeah. you're trying to do is get your testosterone levels within this huge range. Like mm. there's a huge range in cisgender men of like how much testosterone people have. Yeah, there's you no, can tell. Yeah, <laughs> you can like, see it no, in people. Right. There's no one right way to have you know testosterone or hormone levels, right. um, other than like if it makes you sick. So, um, so yeah, finding a place in that range, and then if they feel like it's a little bit too low, they'll up your dosage. If they feel like it's too high, they'll bring it back. Um, and so it's all about like being in that range and finding what works best for your body. Because if you have too little testosterone, um, you maybe won't feel the changes that you're looking for. And if you have too much, it can actually um, your body will start to uh, 
turn that testosterone back into estrogen and progesterone. Because it's too much. Yeah, so that can be a problem too because then you can be like, oh, now I've gone over the hump <laughs> and like now I'm coming back around and this isn't what I wanted. <laughs> so yeah, they have to kind of find that sweet spot. But yeah, you're on it for the rest of your life. And do you take an estrogen blocker? Nope. Okay. No, so. yeah, so um, trans women will take testosterone blockers and take estrogen and progesterone. Got it. Hmm. But trans men only have to take testosterone because it's such a powerful hormone yeah. that like that's all you need to do. It doesn't have to block anything else in your system. Right. Wow. <laughs> that's so interesting. Yeah. Um, and when you were like going into your first Olympic weightlifting meet, like what was that experience like being in the men's division in your first oh, like so first awesome. competitive <laughs> meet and like what was that feeling like? Yeah, it was great. So when I was in high school I competed in Olympic weightlifting with high school team and um, I was obviously competing on the women's team back then and it was like it was fun but it always felt like weird like you know I was on the wrong team um, and so being able to compete on the men's team for the first time was so cool it just was this feeling of like I'm in the right place and like this is how things are supposed to go mm -hmm. I don't know it's really hard to explain but just yeah being like this is right <laughs> um, but yeah it was also like I think it's also a little bit intimidating because you see all these guys that are like freaking huge right. <laughs> and you're like okay i'll be over here yeah um, but that's the case for every guy like there are yeah, lots of right. guys that are like skinnier and don't build musculature in the same way and so it's just like everybody has a different body and that's okay right that's um, very true yeah mm -hmm. and so it's you know you have to i think um trans guys especially get in the same way that women are pressured to be like small and dainty and skinny and whatever men are pressured to be like huge and muscular yeah and so um when trans guys start hormones a lot of the time they'll be like okay cool now that i want testosterone i have to like get thin i have to get a six pack i right. have to like do all these things to fit this idea of what being a guy is or what like the best way to be a guy is um but it, i think one of the fun things about olympic weightlifting even though a lot of the guys are kind of beefy is that you see this huge range of like what bodies look like and what bodies can do and like you, especially like if you watch the, the Olympics or whatever, you see like people that you never would have thought would be able to lift that much weight, but mm -hmm. like they've trained for ages and they're really good at it. And it doesn't matter what, you know, size or shape their body is in a lot of times. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the patriarchy sucks. Yeah, pretty you know? much. <laughs> <laughs> Thank God for weightlifting. <laughs> um, so do you want to talk a little bit about some of the stuff that's been happening in the Olympics since you, yeah. since we were talking about it anyway? Uh, yeah, I was. So, um, yeah, it's been a really interesting year for the Olympic athletes, I think, because um, Chris Moser is competing, and he's um, one of the first trans guys, or maybe the first trans guy to compete. And he's, he's a, a runner, right? He's a biker. Oh, well, he's actually he he runs. He does like a, the triathlon, okay. where it's like running, biking, swimming. Is that right? Yeah, sounds right. Yep. Yeah. Um, and so that, but it's not what he's doing. I was just reading about this. The the uh, event that he's competing in is not an official. Olympian event, which is this is very confusing to mm. me that they have events at the Olympics that are not official <laughs> Olympic events. I don't really understand it. Huh. Um, but anyways, so so he's competing. He's a trans guy, um, and so it's been really cool to have that sort of um, representation out there. To and like, Nike made a commercial about yeah, him, right? And Nike supported that him, was which great. is really cool. Um, yeah, and so um, the one thing oh, that commercial is so good. If you haven't seen that commercial, you should check it out because um, it's basically just like about doing stuff that people thought you couldn't do or not knowing if you can do it and trying anyways. The one thing that I wish I could change about that commercial is that like one of the first sentences is, how did you know you could compete against men? And yeah, you know, I know. I'm just like, no. No, just literally.
literally add the word other. How do you know you compete against other men? Right. Because, like, you are one, so right. it's okay. Yeah, that but was, yeah. like, weird on so many levels. Yeah. Because I was also just like, ugh, fuck it, fuck it. <laughs> can, I can compete against yeah, men. Like, right? fuck, what a weird statement. Yeah. Yeah, so other than that one sentence where I was like, eh, um, yeah, it's really cool, and, like, he's amazing, so it's really cool to watch him compete. Um, the other thing that has been interesting this year and a lot of years is there's um, an intersex athlete. Her name is Castor Semenya. Yeah. Um, she's from South Africa. Yeah, like, and she was, I feel like, in 2008, there yep. was a lot of talk about yep. her, but now not as much. Yeah, people are kind of being like, oh, maybe we should chill the fuck out. Um. Yeah, maybe we should leave her alone and yeah. let her be an amazing athlete. Yeah, right. That we don't always test her hormone levels. Mm. Yep. Yeah, and that's the thing is like for so for intersex athletes, um, first of all, like being intersex and being transgender are two different things. Um, so like you can't you know conflate one or the other. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe maybe just because people might be listening who don't know what it means to be intersex. Yeah. Like, do you want to talk about yeah. that? So okay, so being trans is um, means a lot of different things, um, but it can mean that you were raised, you know, female, like me, I'm, I was raised female, and people would say that I am, like, uh, my hormone levels and that kind of thing, and my genetics um, were what we would consider female, and then I transitioned to male. So some people transition kind of across genders, some people just identify outside of their gender, mm-hmm. so lots of different ways to be trans. Um, being intersex means that you were born with either hormone levels or genetic uh, information or um, physical parts of your body that are considered neither or both male or female. <laughs> and so um, there are there's actually way more intersex folks out there than we think because lots of people don't know about it. Right. right. Um, lots of people don't know that they're intersex because they can you know go their whole life and never know. Hmm. Um, so anyways, in, uh, Castor Semenya is an intersex athlete who competed in like 2008 or 9 or whatever. I think 2008, eight. 2012. Yeah, 2012 and now this year. And um, pre in previous uh, Olympics, people have been like, she can't compete because she has too much testosterone. And like, that's not fair to the other athletes. Mm-hmm. No, no, don't, didn't they also put her through a course of hormone therapy? Yeah. So I was so like, this wow. feels like it's 1950. I know. Yeah. So first of, all, first of all, they tested her genetics without asking. Right. They just like took information from her and hmm. tested her genetics to be like, "Are you a real woman?" Which mm. is like, so what the hell? Hard. How do you define that <laughs> even? Yeah. So first of all, they did that without asking. Second of all, they pressured her to go through all of this genetic or all of this um, hormonal stuff that is like, "Yes, let's suppress you know testosterone or let's you know like do all these things." And she's like, "No, this is my body. Like this has been my body since I was born, and right. I should be able to compete like any other athlete." Um, so yeah, there's all this pressure, and, and it, it it's not my fault. I'm amazing. <laughs> exactly. Right. <laughs> like, not my fault that I'm setting records. Like everyone's <laughs> so mad that I'm so good. <laughs> Come on. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. So anyway, she's competing. I think this week, uh, later on this week, and so hopefully she wins. She runs the I think the 800 meter um, sprint. I think that's right. Yeah, in like so, two seconds. Yeah. She's so it's fast. Crazy good. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, so yeah, so I think there's a lot of, um, yeah, there's a lot of. Uh, trans and intersex athletes that are now coming out in the Olympics and in other sports and that's really awesome to be able to see in the same way that it's really cool for um, a lot of Muslim women to see people like lifting in the hijab yes yes and they just changed those those rules in Olympic weightlifting that now you can wear modest clothing Mm -hmm. you can wear full length um, on your to to your wrist and to your ankle and you can wear hijab Mm -hmm. and as long as you can still see your elbow and knees like 
which like, is awesome. Yeah. Because then you get, like, people watching the Olympics and they're like, oh, wait, I can do this? Yes. I didn't know I could do this. Yeah, like, I didn't know that, like, Egypt had, a <laughs> like, a women's team. Yeah. I, need, I need to do that. Yep. So that's, I think, the same thing with transgender sex athletes to see people like Chris Moser and, like, Caster to, to be like, cool, if they can do it, I can try to do it, too. And, like, that's amazing. Because if you don't know that you're even allowed to do something, you're not going to be able you're like, you're not going to try. Right. Know? There so. won't be that motivation. Yeah. Yeah. And it seems like the tone is just slowly changing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, eight years in our modern world is a very, that's a lot of time. The internet is completely different than it was yeah. eight years mm-hmm. ago, but it seems like our thoughts and perspectives on trans and intersex athletes mm-hmm. are not eight years ahead of where they were last yeah, time. It's right. taking a while. Yeah. Like <laughs> there's this commercial, but it's still a little messy <laughs> and, and some people are still like, but really? Yeah. And also, you know, it's so, <laughs> it seems like it's a very slow mm-hmm. and painful process yeah. for the Olympics, for NCAA, mm-hmm. for USA weightlifting, USA mm-hmm. powerlifting, everyone. I, like, I was at my USA powerlifting certification. I asked, mm-hmm. I was like, hi, I have a bunch of athletes in my gym who would love to compete in powerlifting mm-hmm. and are transgender. Mm-hmm. W- well, you know, what does the organizations say in regards to uh like testing or you know if your id matches the category you'd like mm-hmm. to compete in and they were like uh <laughs> we don't know well uh no one's asked us that and okay. i was like that's really? not true that yeah. cannot be true first of all no one's just asked this group of four yeah i was like you need to you know figure this out because yeah. it's a reality yep and especially as CrossFit grows, mm-hmm. more people aren't being invited into an, a competitive fitness environment. Yeah. Like, they need to start yeah. asking some harder <laughs> questions. Yeah, I was just reading about this gym. There are two gyms that have been in the news recently. One in, gosh, I don't even remember where, but it's like specific to trans folks to be like, mm-hmm. here's a environment where you don't have to worry about what your body looks like or like what you, you know, what team you're gonna be on if you split up in male and female, because we don't do that. Um, but they were um, talking about that same kind of thing. Like, look, we have this whole gym full of really great athletes. Where can we compete? Right. <laughs> yeah, right. So. That's a good question. Yeah. I mean, even when I'm like putting on a competition, that is such a struggle for us mm-hmm. to figure mm-hmm. out because in order for us to like do a certified USA weightlifting or USA powerlifting competition, they we invite in the basically heads of the board mm-hmm. and they come in and help us run the meet so that it's considered legit. Mm-hmm. And we just kind of like quietly break the rules. Yeah. Because I'm like, they come in and they, you know, separate it into weight class categories mm-hmm. and gender categories mm-hmm. and then run the whole thing in that way. Mm-hmm. And we just are like, well, you should still compete. It doesn't really matter. Like, you can do whatever you want. I'm right. totally for it. Mm-hmm. I'll stand up for you. But I don't know. Like, I'm constantly wondering, like, what, how can I break this even more mm-hmm. and still make it fun for everyone to do? Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And still make it competitive and make it feel like people have the chance to win something yeah right and i think that's the that's i think the big question that especially like intersex athletes are bringing up is like hey if we have people that exist outside this gender binary that we've always had like how do we all compete together and still figure out a way for people to feel like they're competing on the same level as the people that they're like with yes yes and so like historically we've done that on the basis of gender but like even when you look like looking at all of the male athletes that competed in our Olymp- or our Olympic weightlifting meet just not that long ago, 
I was like, yeah, okay, sure, we're all in the same weight class, but like, I was in the weight class as like the dude who was lifting like a bajillion pounds. Yeah, and, like, right. Incredibly beefy. If you open right. at forty kilos versus a hundred kilos. Yeah, like, like so, are we really on the same playing field? Like, no. <laughs> the answer is no. No. Yeah. So I think maybe mm-hmm. we need to rethink about like how we break things up if we if it really is most accurate to break things up into weight class and gender. Yeah, or if that doesn't right. actually serve. No, anything. I think right. it's just uh, tradition. Yeah. And like there, you know, if you're like in that meet, we put everybody in one weight class because it was easier to manage. Mm-hmm. And also I wanted everyone to feel like they could get it done in a timely manner and yeah. go home. Yep. Um, so we used the Sinclair score. Mm. Mm which is based on, it, it's, it's even more confusing because it's not only is it based on your gender and your weight class, it's based on the top athlete within your gender and weight class. Mm. And it's a huh. comparison score to the nationally ranked athlete oh, okay. in your weight class. So like the top person, how close are you to them mm-hmm. compared to someone else in another weight class, how close are they to their, right. does that make sense? Yeah. So that one is based on weight class and gender. Mm-hmm. And someone else's record. Yeah. <laughs> and then Wilk's score is based on weight class and gender as well, mm-hmm. body weight yeah. and gender. And then um, there's qualifiers for uh, age as well. Mm-hmm. So it's like every scoring system is also, you know, based on a gender factor. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> like, not to say that, like, this isn't, like, that. that is one way to break things up, but is it the most effective and is it the most accurate way? Maybe not. Right. <laughs> right. It's hard to say because um, if I competed in the weightlifting meet that you were in mm-hmm. and I was just it, competing with your group as right. well, I still would have beat like half those guys yeah. because I'm smaller and lift more relative to my body weight, right. but uh, wouldn't have been competitive with the top right. guys. So it's hard to say. Yeah. It's really hard to know how to create a competition that is competitive. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And one thing I really appreciate about Sulkana is that we've now stopped breaking things up into like, this is the, this is the wad and RX for men. And this is wad and RX weight for women. Like now it's just like, here are the two weights that we suggest pick one. Yeah. Like one, if you're really tiny, you should probably (laughs) pick the lower weight. (laughs) Or if you're big, like if you're Mm -hmm. a big, strong person, maybe pick the higher weight anyway. Yeah. And like, as, um, as a trans guy who's competing in the gym, I always feel this pressure to like try to keep up with the cis guys because it's like that's what I want to try to do is like hey I can do this too. You I know? feel the same pressure. Yeah, right. So <laughs> I'm like, always like I gotta chase that fucking guy. guy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so like everybody's feeling that pressure in some way, um, and I think to be able to mentally be like you know what it doesn't matter maybe how big the other person is or what gender they are or whatever. Like, what you're doing is you're competing against your own best time, your own best yes. right. You're doing the best you can for your body. You're doing it healthily. You're not, like, straining yourself, breaking something to try to keep up with somebody, you know. I so mean, like, how much does that just define, like, the way we live our stupid lives? Yeah. <laughs> is that we're all, like, trying to chase the power yeah. and control that mm-hmm. cis white men have? Yeah, so and, funny. like, <laughs> wouldn't it be better if we just accepted that we're awesome anyway? Yep. It doesn't matter what they're doing. True. And we could still be, like, the best yep. versions of ourselves without <laughs> worrying about if we can compete with them. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> easier said than done. Easier True. said than done. <laughs> anyway, that's just a little Yeah. No, it's aside. like that's something that, I mean, that's another thing that has, uh, that's been a big issue with transition is, like, 
people that transition, p trans folks that transition from male to female or female to male in a sort of binary way, like I have, have to deal with losing and gaining gender-based privilege. Yeah, right? so what has that been like it's for you? It's crazy. <laughs> it's really weird. Like, n it used to be that, like, so I, I have a girlfriend, and it used to be that I would go out to dinner with my girlfriend, and people would look and be like, we don't know who to hand the check to. Ah, <laughs> what <laughs> the hell? And so now, immediately, every time we go out to dinner, huh. they're like, here's the check, sir. That's like, so funny. Um, so just, like, weird gender-based things like right? that that, like, you never had to think about before. And, like, being, n like... In some ways it's good, in some ways it's bad. Like in some ways it's good because there are times when I feel like it's recognizing something in me which is cool, but when yeah. it has to do with privilege or something that somebody else doesn't have, that's right. when it feels gross. Yeah. Right. Um, You're like, I'm glad that you assume, <laughs> like you look at me and the first thing you think is man, yeah. Yeah. but also like, that doesn't that mean- doesn't mean I'm gonna pay the check. Like, that, <laughs> that doesn't, doesn't mean, mean like, that I'm that kind of man. Yeah, exactly. So it's, um, it's, it's a weird thing and I think it's also, um, one of the reasons why trans women get so much more shit than trans men right. do yeah. because they they're also chosen, women. They're women, yeah. and they have chosen to give up a form of power, and that is just like inconceivable to mm -hmm. so many guys. Yes, mm -hmm. that is definitely something that you see is yeah. like the idea that you would uh, that you would relinquish your mm -hmm. masculinity. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's and then, just like a huge social sin. Right, right. <laughs> and then like on the other side, the like anti-trans feminists mm -hmm. who are like you're just trying to co-opt our femininity right. and you're trying to take our mm. oppression right. as your own. Yeah. It's like, like, okay, everybody <laughs> shut the fuck up. Everybody chill. Just let that person be that person. Yeah, and it's frustrating because you can understand in a way where that's coming from because it's coming from a point of them being like, I have felt oppressed my entire life and you haven't felt that. And so there's like this sense of like, fear I think that's coming from I'm them. pretty but sure like, that person has felt oppressed yeah, their entire exactly. life because they <laughs> felt like they're in the wrong body I'm like we yeah. can relate actually yeah, yeah. Like, yep. sometimes I feel shitty in my body, mm -hmm. and you feel shitty in your body, yep. too. <laughs> we can talk about that. Yeah. yeah like, exactly. people, v you know, see me on the street, and they shout shit at me because mm -hmm. I have bre visible breasts. Mm -hmm. Well, people say things to you because they don't see you for who you are. Right. Yeah. Like, well, it's the same thing. I yeah. know. Yeah. It's totally uh, true. Divide and conquer. You <laughs> know what I mean? It's totally true. It's totally true. And so one of the things that I've had to do as I now have gained this privilege in lots of ways that I didn't have before is to be very conscious about that <laughs> and be like, cool, I now have this, like people look, like if I'm in a group of like me and five other women and somebody else comes in to talk to our group, they look to me mm. to like give an update on like what the group's been talking about. And so then it's my responsibility to be like, no, no, like- Don't I'm look at me, yeah, <laughs> hold like, on. Listen to this other person. Yeah, trust right? me, I'm not the authority here. Exactly, yeah, so a lot of what, what when you gain privilege that you didn't have before or when you just have it in general is to find a way to give that to somebody else who isn't being listened to. Right. So that's been a big part of it too is just being like, I know you're going to assume this about me, but like <laughs> actually just look over here. <laughs> yeah. Wow, that's so interesting. You have mm -hmm. such a unique perspective on those and those positions of power people and that don't think that gender-based privilege is real should just like experience this for a while yeah, yeah. just like try <laughs> try it out living yeah. in someone else's shoes for yeah. a little bit yeah um so uh, have you noticed anything in terms of gender-based privilege in a fitness setting maybe at uh, it's so kind of it's a little bit harder because we're like you know <laughs> a little bit we're like a lot more woo woo but but uh, like any other either at Solcana or at any other fitness setting or Anything like that? Let me think. I think, like, um, one of the reasons that you kind of started Solcana and 
started doing something a little bit different than a lot of other CrossFit gyms, I think has, or I've heard you say, is because of that sort of ethos oh, yeah. about, like, this is a gym for big girly dudes. And, or like, just, like, the, the idea that people would be, like, go grab a woman's bar. And yeah. I just, like, yeah. my mm. skin would fall <laughs> off yeah. in sheets because I was so stressed <laughs> out by that phrase. Yeah. Yeah. And so being able to, um, to move away from that in a sport that in some ways still holds on to it mm-hmm. has been a big deal um, because there should be more gyms like that like that kind of say like yes we're doing these movements yes we are affiliated with like USA weightlifting or whatever but our culture is going to be different yeah um, we're like in the system so we can break the system yeah. that's the goal <laughs> <Break it from laughs> <the inside. laughs> yeah so I think um, yeah there haven't been too many places at Sultana where I have felt that um, and we've done a great job like recently of when we go around and do intros introducing pronouns which has been awesome mm-hmm. yeah that has um, been so great for, like for me personally mm-hmm. too i'm like yeah these are my pronouns yeah i'm, I'm proud of who i yeah. am yeah <laughs> right and it like it gives such an easy door in for people that are just learning about their gender identity like you can be 45 and be figuring it out you know right. and for people to come into the gym one day and be like yeah my pronouns are they them and to not have it be a big deal and right. probably people will be like yay <laughs> that's <Right>. so special <laughs> yep. great yeah so that has been great and that's been something that i haven't experienced at any other gym mm. so that's really cool it's been fun to watch uh like for me i feel like i've experienced some like new positive feelings about just like uh, being proud of myself mm-hmm. for using my pronouns and like being like I'm a woman and yeah. like that's mm-hmm. good for me yeah. to do um, and then watching other people who are maybe have come from places where they just like have never spoken about their gender before or they have only been in really cis dominated spaces mm-hmm. and then they're like oh I guess I don't know I guess I use he yeah. Yeah. and you're like good job <laughs> it's okay it. to say that yeah. like be proud of who you are and right. we'll all be proud of who we are and that's great yeah. you don't have to Creating a privileged space is really important, mm-hmm. but sometimes it's okay to just be like, we're all privileged here mm-hmm. to be the person that we are, Yeah, and it's all good. Totally. Like, everyone's fine. Totally. <laughs> I started bringing it into other places, too, Yeah, and that's been a very, um, like, great experience yeah. as well. Like, I went to Philadelphia, and I taught an improv workshop, and, um, like, it, I taught an improv workshop to eight people who were you know on the outside very much expressed as male Mm -hmm. and I was like hey everybody like (laughs) we're gonna start with pronouns and the I just got so many blank stares (laughs) what now yeah Yeah, and I was like when the reason we're doing this is because we don't really know each other and I don't want to assume anything about you Mm -hmm. that makes you feel shitty Mm -hmm. while I'm trying to teach you yeah so here are some options for pronouns in case you don't know Mm -hmm. and and or anything else that you want me to call you and by the end of it I feel like at least like we're kind of like yeah i'm a i'm a he yeah yeah and that's like really um uh like from a like cis male point of view that can be really affirming too in the same way that's affirming for you is that like there's um <laughs> we've, there's been t- so much talk in our culture about like despite the fact that men have so much privilege like people have no idea how to become men like there's mm. no like other than what we're taught by like movies and magazines yeah toxic masculinity (laughs) like other than that there's no way that people learn how to be men and so 
um, being able to come into a space and be like, oh, I haven't thought about really like the pronouns I use or how that relates to my gender. And now I have to think about it. And it's really affirming to be like, yeah, my pronouns are he, him and I identify as male. And yeah. Just be like, yeah. Even even if you're not trans, that could be really. Yeah. Definitely. Like, especially for like eight dorky improv dudes yeah. who <laughs> might maybe they chose it found improv. I found this for a lot of people found improv because they didn't feel like they fit mm-hmm. into any other box. Yeah that a man is supposed to be like. I mean, I feel like women and like other people who live maybe in, you know, more oppressive bodies Mm -hmm. don't uh, like we don't we're not as inhibited to try different things out and Mm -hmm. just experiment with our expression because, Mm -hmm. oh, well, people already (laughs) fucking criticizing us anyway. Might as well try some (laughs) new stuff on. But I don't always feel like cis men, especially masculine looking cis men, have Mm -hmm. a have a lot of opportunity to. Mm Express. Yeah, there's because part of toxic masculinity is policing each other in right. a very direct way. Like, uh, like women do that to each other, but it's more like in middle school and high school. Yeah, like yeah. you grow out of the world. Yeah. You're just like, okay, cool. Like, you want to dress how you want to dress, awesome. Um, but I think for men, there's still like that's why women can wear pants and it's no big deal. But if a man wears a skirt, it's suddenly like all the other men are gonna jump on. Right. You know? So yeah, it's not good for anybody. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> such a good dialogue for all parties yeah yeah uh man i can talk about toxic masculinity (laughs) all day long anyway yes affirming ourselves yeah i'm hannah i use she her hers yay Yay. (laughs) Uh, and i feel like it just allows you to open up your mind a little bit too and and uh think about like what you know what feels good to you mm-hmm. and what feels supportive. Yeah. And, and it's not going to be a big deal if you walk in one day and be like, I use she, her, hers, and the next day be like, I use they, them, theirs. And yeah. Like, people are going to roll with it. Yeah, right? it's great. Yeah. Um, and I feel like um, my my mom has learned a lot from, mm. like, me learning a lot has helped my family learn mm. more, too. Mm-hmm. And, you know, just anytime you grow, people around you are going to grow mm-hmm. as yeah. well. And she messaged me the other day and she was like, what does the Q stand for? Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, why do you ask? She said, well, because on uh, on the, she was watching the RNC. Oh, yeah. Mm. They, they, I don't know if what she was watching, but she's like, on TV they're saying it stands for questioning. Mm. Hmm. And I was like, well, okay. What do you think that means? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, that's not how I've heard it, mm-hmm. but maybe that's how some people interpret it. Mm-hmm. What do you think that means? She's like, I don't know. Maybe they, they don't know what they are yet. I'm like, that's fine, too. That's also a thing. Mm-hmm. And some people use the term queer. And she's mm-hmm. like, well, is that okay for me to use? Because I have always heard that that's a bad right. slang right. term. Mm-hmm. Like, well, yeah. I mean, yes, we're all learning <laughs> how to be nice to each other again. Yeah. Yeah. It's been a big, like, it's been super fun to um, hear folks kind of go through that whole alphabet soup and figure out what those yeah. things are. Yes, yeah. totally. Um, <laughs> um, and like because they're it's just continually gotten longer and longer and so like now for me I tend to abbreviate it LGBTQ plus yeah. because mm. it's just easier to be like cool but in the same way you don't want to marginalize all those other letters yeah, right? yeah, yeah. So right. like, because a lot of times I see it written out and it's like LGBTQQIAA <laughs> and it's been like the whole thing yeah, but yeah, then yeah. we just keep adding letters to it yeah. and so like 
it's good because when we use acronyms like that, it forces people to ask questions like, what does right. the Q what mean? What does the Q right. mean? Yeah. And so. especially to question what they see exactly. yeah. and be like, hey, I don't feel like that that's what that means. Because yeah. why would someone identify as questioning? Yeah. Mm. And I'm like, oh, that's a really good that's a really good thing to ask somebody else. Yep. Like, hey, w- would somebody just genuinely call themselves questioning? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Probably not. Right. Probably not. Exactly. They might say like, hey, I'm questioning whether or not I want to move forward with the transition right now. Like, yeah. yeah, they might be questioning the next step. Right, exactly. But no. Right, yeah. and that's not something that people might might identify with, like, as part of their identity. But by including that in the acronym, it means that they are part of a community of mm-hmm. people that can support them. Sure. Right. So, you know, it's like, and when it comes to things like, um, uh, oh, I totally just lost my train of thought, you guys. <laughs> Let's oh, find it. Yeah. Where is it? I'm just Hop so excited. That train. I know. There's so much uh, to talk about. I know. Anyway, sorry. I won't go into the long thing about the acronym. But, oh, I was going to talk about the queer thing. So, like, because it's such a big deal where, like, even people who identify as LGBTQ+, um, there are people within those communities that are like, whoa, I never used that word. Like, that has been used against me for mm-hmm. so long yes. in my yeah. life. I don't want to hear it. Right. And then there are people that are like, yeah, I totally appreciate this. Yeah, and I want to reaffirm yeah, this word I for me. I reaffirm it, and I want to use it because it's a great umbrella term. Like, that was huge for me when I was coming out uh, using something like queer because it was – it didn't say anything about um, who I – like, when you, ta- when you say, like, I'm – a lesbian, right? That's affirming somebody else's gender identity and your gender identity. Right. But something like queer doesn't affirm anybody's gender identity. It just affirms like that you are part of this weird wonky community. <laughs> yeah, and also it feels it feels like an inviting term, honestly, it for does. somebody who's like myself. I feel like my whole life I've just been like, well, I guess I'm just straight because right. I've I'm more attracted to men. Right. I've dated more men, but I also don't feel like limited by anything. Mm-hmm. I've never felt like I wouldn't date a woman right. mm-hmm. um so then the a term like queer is like inviting for somebody who is like i don't know i definitely am not just a lesbian yeah right. and like i'm married yeah. to a man <laughs> yeah. but i also don't feel like i would fit into this certain category that's been prescribed to me right i don't feel like i'm like on the hetero train like <laughs> leading the charge the i feel like train. i'm like yeah queer is a word that you can be like yeah i'm i'm kind of queer yeah yeah right. fuck i don't know yeah i don't right. I don't like, feel like I'm that lady. <laughs> I'm a little different. Yeah. Is that all right? Yep. Yeah. And so it's been a huge thing to um, people are saying, like, it's important to ask people how they identify because some people will be very into that word and some people will not be. And so you don't want to use that word on somebody when you have no idea how they feel. About right. It. Right. So you ask people how they identify and that gives them a great into conversation yeah. about, like, cool, are you queer? And why I mean, just that? asking that, yeah. like, demonstrates that you're willing to to hear and mm-hmm. accept it. Yep. So it's like, I mean, what a cool conversation to have with somebody. Totally. You're like, hey, now that we're getting to know each other, yeah. how do you identify? Yeah, right. Like, <laughs> you don't want to walk up to somebody on the street and like be like, hey, what are your pronouns? How do you identify? Yeah. Like, no, ask people that you know. Right. Maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and even, I mean, even asking someone's pronouns, like when you first meet them, I think, I mean, at the gym, that's yeah. become a regular practice when someone walks in and they introduce themselves and they're interested in the gym. Mm-hmm. After a little bit into our conversation I'll say by the way can you just tell me like what pronouns you prefer so I don't make a mistake mm-hmm. and uh, also I'll tell you mine so you don't make a yeah. mistake about me <laughs> um, and that yeah that's that's a really been really awesome in terms of creating fast relationships yep. yeah because it immediately gives you a sense of first of all for the person being asked if you are somebody who identifies as LGBTQ yada yada 
um, it gives you a sense of safety of like, cool, I can be myself here and right. I'm not going to get beat up. Right, <laughs> right. Um, but for the people asking, I think it can also give a sense of like, now, uh, I don't know, like a sense of relationship. Like now we know each other mm -hmm. and we can be a little bit more comfortable around each other. And so it's an immediate... Like you get to skip the like, isn't the weather nice outside? Like <laughs> yeah, you get yeah, to skip yeah. From, like, meeting to like having an actual relationship with a real person, right? Um, in like a really quick step. Yeah. Yes, yeah. totally. And you, and then you can also understand how you relate to one another. Yeah. Very quickly. Right. Um. So you can share common experiences and. Yep. Awesome. Uh, can you <laughs> tell us about your book? Ah, uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I am writing this book because, like I said, there are these. Uh, sort of a dearth of resources out there. Um, is dearth the right word? Like lack Sounds of good to me. <laughs> dearth. <laughs> yeah. Um, so basically what I'm trying to do with this book that I'm writing is um, take biblical stories, um, either ones that we don't know about because we never talk about them, or ones that we think we know really well, mm -hmm. and combine them with the stories of um, trans Christians that are like alive and living now, um, and sort of weaving those two things together. Um, so what I get to do is sit down and talk with trans folks and listen to their stories, which is super fun. Yeah, just be cool. like, Tell me about your story of your faith and your identity and how those things work together or against each other sometimes. Um, and then looking at biblical texts, which is what I did in seminary, and kind of getting those readings out of them. So like, for instance, um, one that I really love is the story of Joseph, because we, we all know like Joseph and the Technicolor Dreamcoat, mm -hmm. right? And that idea, like we think we kind of know that story, a lot of people. Um, yeah, I don't. Okay, cool. I'm just gonna be honest. <laughs> That's fine. Like, I went people to that are into musicals. Know okay, yeah, <laughs> right. I know the musical. Right. Yeah, see, there you go. I'm like, oh yeah, Joseph. He was like the gayest of the people in the Bible, right? Because right? <laughs> <laughs> I saw the musical. <laughs> right. Isn't that what you mean? Yeah. yeah. No. So, so yeah, there's the story of Joseph who had a whole bunch of older brothers, and his father liked him best because he was the son of this guy's favorite wife because this guy had a lot of wives mm. in the Bible. <laughs> oh, what a them. great start. Right? <laughs> I know. So like that's already a great way to start. But anyway, so Joseph is his favorite of all his sons and he gives his son this coat and all of his older brothers are jealous because mm. his father liked Joseph best. And so, he has a really cool coat. He has a really cool Technicolor. coat. Technicolor. Yeah. So, um, so then what ends up happening is that his brothers are so jealous that they throw him into a, or no, they first throw him into a pit and then they sell him to slave traders oh boy. and then tell their father that Joseph was killed. Um, and so there's this whole thing that goes on after that. But um, a lot of people, like if you go into a church and you start talking about Joseph and his brothers, people are like, oh yeah, I know that story. Like I know, the, I know that sort of version that I just told. Um, but what a lot of people don't know is that when you're reading um, the Hebrew that the Hebrew scriptures were originally written in, uh, or what we consider the Old Testament, uh, when you read the Hebrew, the word that is used to describe Joseph's coat is only used one other place, and that is to describe a princess's dress. And so the, what a lot of um, scholars in Jewish uh, and, and Hebrew communities have kind of looked at and said is like, if this is the only other place, then what we can kind of assume here is that what Joseph was actually given was something that looked very feminine. Mm -hmm. And so maybe part of what was going on is that all of his brothers were like super uncomfortable with the fact yeah. that he yeah. was dressing in a very feminine way. Right. And that maybe contributed to um, part of the uh, animosity that was existing there. So Joseph, as sort of like a gender transgressing person in the Bible, can be really helpful for, say, like masculine identified people now who are like, but I just like to dress in ways that are yeah, I like to wear a sure. color okay. and yeah. like you know wear skirts yeah, and whatever. Exactly. So finding places in the Bible where we can be like, cool, that's a person. It's again an issue of representation. Like if that's a thing that's represented in the Bible, mm -hmm. that's like super cool for folks that maybe didn't know it was there. Right. 
So, anyways, that's one of the things that I'm trying to do with the book. That is and so exciting. Yeah, I'm really excited about it. It's going to be so cool. I can't wait to read it. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I'm going to learn a lot because yeah. I honestly don't know a ton about the Bible. And mm-hmm. Yeah, because same here. I went to... Um, at like Wednesday night school, what oh, is yeah. that called? <laughs> like confirmation class. Yeah, uh, yeah. Well, yeah. no, I wasn't even. I didn't even make it to that. Yeah. Um, and I would go and t- I went to a, a very strict Catholic church. Mm-hmm. Like my, mm-hmm. that's where my parents went. And um, I asked when I was ten. I said, like, hey, I know somebody who um, identifies as gay, who mm-hmm. says they're gay, and. Uh, it seems like we don't really talk about it in class. Like, can we talk about what the Bible says or what you guys think? Yeah. I was basically like, what is the, what does the Bible say about it? Because I really like this person Mm. and I want to be their friend and you know, they're important to me. Yeah. And the, my youth leader was like, we're not going to talk about it. And you need to go wait outside for your parents to come pick you up. So I was kicked out of class and I was sitting on the curb like, what did I do? Yeah. I was like, is it that bad that these people like are going to remove me from class? Of course, mm-hmm. my natural instinct was like, and so then <laughs> fuck them. Yeah, right. And now <laughs> I know who I'm rooting for right. because like nobody tells Hannah White even what to do. Yeah. Um, and so my mom came, picked me up and I was like, I'm never going back to church. Mm. And they sent me a pamphlet in the nice. mail called How to Stay Out of Purgatory. Oh and they sent wow. along two books, uh, What to Do When Your Child is Questioning. Uh-huh. Mm. And it was basically for parents to help teach their kids that they're not gay. Right. Mm. And um, then one other one that I can't remember. But it was sent in the mail. My mom was furious. Because oh, no. mm-hmm. she was like, uh, if that's, if first of all, she's just asking the question. Yeah. <laughs> Second, secondly, she's 10 years old. Right. Like, her understanding of her genuine sexuality is very new and also not formed yeah, and right. also like <laughs> nobody's business right and uh i was like i'm never going back there again so that was the last time i ever went to church <laughs> yeah. yeah and that's the that is the case for so many people in the u.s like, yeah it is a huge deal and there are all of these studies out that are talking about how like oh gosh it was something like 75% of the millennials that have left church have left because of LGBTQ issues. Yeah, because yeah, you just sure. even you just want to yeah. know because people are talking about it. Yep, exactly. And so, like, realizing that that is the case and then realizing, like, the LGBTQ Christians that I have talked to, how they have um, found ways to make this make sense and to realize that they're not, like, their faith and their gender identity or their sexuality are not butting heads. Mm. Like, right. To be able to bring that back to the church is a huge gift. Yes. Yeah. And to be able to be like, hey, guess what, church? Like, you're kind of dying and kicking everyone out. So like, Yeah, and like <laughs> most of your members are very old. <laughs> yeah. So hold up. <laughs> They're not going to be around yeah. forever. Yeah. Also, it's like, oh, you know, the Catholic Church is like riddled with scandal. Yeah. Yep. Around yep. sexuality. Exactly. And so, and one of the problems is that we don't talk about it. Yeah. yeah. So, like, if we can find ways to talk about it. So, like, another one of the projects that I'm working on is working with um, one of the LGBTQ uh, Lutheran advocacy organizations, which I'm Lutheran, so I'm mm-hmm. affiliated with them, but um, trying to create a discussion guide for youth groups specifically to talk about these issues and start conversations in ways that will be helpful for the youth and also not terrifying to the parents. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, yeah. I can only imagine like how different my experience of a religion and faith would have been had my youth pastor been like a, 
lesbian. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I can only imagine like how much that would have invited me in to feel right. comfortable and to feel like I could ex- I could be whoever I wanted to be. Yeah. And instead of like, yeah. We can we do so really, much yeah. <laughs> Yes. We can do better than putting, like, cis hetero men in charge of everything. Yeah. True. We could True. really do better than that. <laughs> yeah. It can be different. seems difficult, but really not. Yeah, it's really not. It's really yeah. not. Anyway, so when it, when do you anticipate that this book will oh be out? Gosh, I can't even say <laughs> Like, 2018? Like, yeah, I mean, it's, it's something that is um, in the works to the point of having written several of the chapters yep. and like part of the way we like we talked about this a little bit part of the way nonfiction books work is that you send out an idea and then right. people decide if they want to publish your idea and then you write the book um and so like i'm kind of in the middle stages right now hoping that the book is going to be done within the next like it's going to be done being written within the next year mm. but it's probably not going to be out for maybe a year and a half so we'll see mm-hmm. and in the meantime where can people follow your writing oh or your videos Where am I? all over the place <laughs> um uh so i'm on twitter at austin lionheart um and austin is spelled a-u-s-t-e-n not ireland um and so i'm on twitter at austin lionheart um you can go youtube.com slash austin lionheart and i'm there too and then facebook.com slash trans and christian i just want awesome. you to know that lionheart crossfit was the first idea that really? i had for a name wow, wow. yeah so awesome. and i submitted it and someone already took it oh, in canada. Canada. No, canada oh canada i know but lionheart <laughs> is like my favorite thing so yeah. when i saw that i was like oh lionheart. <laughs> yeah i actually uh i that came about because i realized that my um like i several years ago realized that my birth name was an anagram for um Ask Lionheart. <laughs> wow. I just thought that was a great anagram, so I just kind of kept it. Yeah, yeah. Ask that Lionheart. is. Yeah. <laughs> Have a question? Yeah. Right? Ask Lionheart. Yep. That's great. Yeah. Um, well, everybody should check up on those. And mm. you have so many great YouTube videos. Thanks. And uh, I feel like I've watched a lot of them, and I've learned a lot about yeah. like faith and the church and like what, what and also what it means to transition and mm. like what that experience is like. Uh, I loved your like year in one year oh, in yeah. video. Mm. Yeah. Because it just like was little clips of like all the way through. It was you so. just being like, "Hey everybody, yeah. hey everybody, hey everybody, hey everybody." <laughs> <laughs> it was awesome, and it was just like cool to experience that with you because, mm. um, you know, I see you often enough that I, that mm-hmm. I like wouldn't notice. Yeah, there. Changes. I remember there was one time where I came into the gym and I'd been gone for like a month, and it was at like six months ish transition, mm. and I came in and you're like, "Dude, you look like a beast." <laughs> <laughs> Yes. <laughs> yeah, like you go away for like three more months and then yep. come back and be like, holy shit, yeah. you look so jacked. Yeah. Yeah. So it, those are those are great videos you should go watch and you'll learn a whole bunch of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so thank you so much for coming on. Thanks for thanks. having me. I really appreciate it. And thanks everyone for listening. Big thanks to Taj. Oh Taj. Who is um, Taj is like like She's like a, if you look into a, a toy chest in an antique shop, you find this like one special thing that's been cherished by a kid throughout the ages. That is Taj. <laughs> yep. It is. It is. <laughs> I mean, you've got to be pretty special to like listen to all of these whole things and then do all the other And things. edit them. Yeah. Yes, yeah. exactly. <laughs> exactly. She makes fun of how repetitive I am about coffee and oatmeal. Aww. Just for you, Taj. <laughs> coffee and oatmeal. Coffee and oatmeal. All right, mm. should we wrap it? Let's wrap it up. Have a wonderful <laughs> week, everybody, and we'll see you next time. You guys have challenges you have to give each other? Oh, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh. Do you have a challenge for us? Yeah. Ooh. Ooh. 
Ooh, ooh, uh, ooh, I should have come prepared. <laughs> Knowing that we know nothing about religion. Yes, ooh. please. Is that helpful? Yeah, let's see. Okay, I was trying to think of like a fitness challenge. Oh, no, yeah, is there no. like a good story a- that we should read? Like yeah. a good passage? Oh my gosh. Oh, Hannah, have you ever read the story of Ruth? <laughs> no. No, wait, better. Have you read the story of Esther? No. Okay, so there's a book in the Bible that's just called Straight Up Esther. Hmm. Um, it is literally like four chapters long. It's very short. Um, you will like it. It's about a very powerful woman. Okay, um, done. It's like the only book in the Bible that never mentions God. It's very strange. Interesting. Really okay. Yes. Um, awesome. Actually, yeah, both of you should both? read this book. Okay. okay. Just find Esther. Can do. It's in your Bible. It's very small. Read it over lunch. Yes. Yeah. Chewing slowly. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. Okay, we're going to do that. Yeah. Um, my challenge for you okay. is to make a like very simple like spreadsheet or graph mm-hmm. of your uh numbers how they have changed mm. your gym numbers Ooh, that's a good idea in the last in, in the entire in your entire span of crossfit yeah yeah and yeah it's a good project yeah, yeah. that'll be, really That'd be fun for you to do i think right. anyway and maybe you can put it out on your blog yeah. <laughs> sweet we'll awesome all right cool. fine challenges accepted <laughs> thank you for keeping us on track Yay. you're our new producer no, but yeah. no one can replace Todd. <laughs> uh have a wonderful week officially and yes. we'll see you next time see you soon Sulkanacast is produced by Taj Ruler. Subscribe on iTunes or visit sulkanacast.libsim.com. That's L-I-B-S-Y-M.com for full episode information. You can also visit our website at sulkanafitness.com to stay up to date on everything health and fitness. Join in on the conversation over on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Sulkana CrossFit. See you there.